We continue in our Easter series, walking through the book of Acts, and how the church responds in action to the good news of the resurrection. Last week, Emma explored the call to share a kind of relentless hope, a relentless witness through Peter's sermon at Pentecost. And this week, we pick up the text right where Emma left off when those who were listening ask, what now? So listen to, to this reading from Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 36. Peter concludes his sermon saying, Therefore, let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when the crowd heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brother, what should we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 persons were added. This, too, is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, heavenly dove, with all thy quickening power. Come shed abroad a Savior's love that it may kindle ours. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. A rabbi was once teaching a lesson about the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul. And when the rabbi paused in his teaching one morning, one of those gathered said to him, Why does the Torah tell us to place these words upon our hearts? Why doesn't it tell them to place the holy words in our hearts? And the rabbi thought for a minute and paused and then said, It's because as we are, our hearts are closed. We cannot place the holy words in our hearts. So we place them on top of our hearts, and there they will stay until one day the heart breaks and the word falls in. Have you ever had a moment when your heart was broken open? Or maybe it was an experience that you can't really explain, and all you can say is, it was God. I suspect that many of us are here because there is some time in our lives when our hearts have broken open and God's love fell in. Or maybe you're here hoping that that will happen to you. When it comes to cultivating a spiritual life, like Pastor Amanda was talking about, 
The reality is that we share a lot of ordinary moments to prepare us for the day when our hearts will break open and love can fall in. Sometimes we come to church for years. We do all the things. We grow up learning the stories of faith. We sing songs. We say prayers. And one day something clicks. And all those years of preparation, of listening to the good sermons and the not-so-good sermons, of the big Easter Sundays and the very ordinary ones, they're all preparing for a particular moment in your life where your heart breaks and all you can say is, it was God. That was true for Peter and the disciples. We're in this Easter season, and today we heard two different resurrection moments, moments that caused those who were gathered to say, Christ is risen, or maybe more simply to say, it was God, moments that broke their heart open. The first comes from the disciples themselves, the ones who had done that ordinary work of the spiritual life and walked alongside Jesus. Call them the churchgoers. They had cultivated that life through lots of ordinary moments. They'd been there when Jesus performed miracles. They'd listened to his teachings. They'd heard his sermons and watched him go toe-to-toe with the Pharisees. They'd been to the mountaintop, but they had also shared a whole lot of Tuesday night dinners that didn't get written down in the Gospels. And they had watched as he was betrayed and arrested and crucified and buried. And today we heard Luke's account of these two disciples that were making their way from Jerusalem to Emmaus, grieving the loss of their teacher and friend. And they meet this stranger who joins them on the road. And they were walking and talking about the resurrection because they had heard Peter's witness that the tomb was empty and they were amazed. And when they got to Emmaus and it was getting dark, Scripture says they invited this stranger into their home. They had learned from Jesus what hospitality looked like, and they were doing exactly that. And the stranger sat at table with them and broke bread and blessed it, and their eyes were opened and they recognized that it was Jesus. The risen Christ they had been talking about on the road was in fact with them. And as the bread broke before them, their hearts broke inside them, and that living word fell right in. Scripture says that they asked, were not our hearts burning? It was God. In our second passage this morning, those same disciples whose hearts had been broken open by the risen Christ were sharing their experience with those gathered at Pentecost. Call this one the the curious crowd, the ones wondering about what this whole project was all about. This Pentecost crowd had not spent the same years walking alongside Jesus like the disciples But they had felt this rush of the Holy Spirit, and they wanted to understand what God was up to. So Peter did what Peter does, and he stood up to preach. 
And like the other disciples, Peter had witnessed both Jesus' death and his resurrection, and the word of God that had been resting on Peter's heart had broken open before him, and he couldn't shut up about it. In this morning's passage from Acts, what we find is Peter sharing his story of the risen Christ with these crowds of thousands, and then the scripture says that when they heard it, they were cut to the heart. Their hearts broke open and the word fell in. They wanted what Peter had. And so they asked him, what should we do? What would you say if someone who is curious about Jesus asked you, what should I do now? Peter's answer was, repent and be baptized. And his invitation is genuine and true, and it is what this whole thing we call church is all about. But I'm willing to bet $100 that if a friend heard that you go to Morningside and said, hey, I know you go to church, I've been thinking about God some, what should I do? Not a single one of you is going to say, repent and be baptized. (laughs) Those words feel loaded right? Repent sounds like one of those things you would see on the billboard driving north on 85 with like an exclamation point, that's all it says, and it leaves you with that feeling of like eternal judgment as you're driving up the road. But the heart of what Peter said 2,000 years ago isn't wrong. The Greek metanoia or repent means to go beyond your mind to allow yourself to be changed, to allow your heart to break open, to set aside the things that get in the way of loving God and neighbor. And when your heart and mind is changed, you need a community. And so baptism is the invitation to be a part of a group of people walking that road of faith together. Repent and be baptized. Be changed and be welcomed here. Experience the grace and mercy and love of God for you and then share it with others. So it got me thinking this week, if we wouldn't say to that friend or neighbor, repent and be baptized, what would our answer be today? Maybe it's a much simpler invitation. Come to church with me. Or join me at this upcoming mission event. Or you can come exactly as you are. They will love you here, and they'll teach you how to love others. Or maybe we dare to use some God language and dig a little bit deeper. Maybe you dip your toe into sharing where you have seen God at work. When I'm at church, I feel God's love. My life has been changed because I'm part of this community. I see God at work when... Most of us scoff at the word evangelism or the idea of being evangelical, but the word at its core means the sharer of good news. Yet I find that years of that word being used in the media leaves me um, with a sort of uncomfortable feeling, right? We hear the word evangelical, and I have an emotional reaction to it, fear of judgment, Assumptions about your moral or political stance on all manner of things. Anxiety about whether or not who you are is loved by God. Maybe you hear the word evangelism and think, I don't have enough faith. I haven't studied theology enough to be able to answer my friend's question about God. 
But theologian Kathleen Norris reflects on that fear when she says, it's sad to consider that belief has become a scary word because at the Greek root, to believe means to give your heart to. So if we can determine what we give our heart to, then we will know what it is to believe. And all we have to do is to share that. It turns out that what Peter was doing in that Pentecost moment was to share what broke his heart open. And all the crowd wanted to know was, what should I do to have a little bit of that? So when did God break your heart open? And how would you tell that story? At session this past Monday, we set aside some time for uh, group reflection and some strategic conversations, and I asked the elders to share some of where they had seen God at work in the last six months. Call them God sightings, if you will. And they shared how this stampede of kids that comes down the aisle every week and makes quite a ruckus and is a little bit chaotic, that that's a source of hope and joy. They shared how the youth group cares for one another like a family. They shared how music is the glue of this place, the place where our hearts get touched in worship every week. Some named the joy of Easter, of seeing old friends and new alike, how there was this like energy and spirit in the air. Another reflected how holy an experience it was to break bread in each other's homes on Monday, Thursday. That God showed up there. One elder named how God showed up on a Dobbs workday and another on an intergenerational mission trip, which means that God can show up decorating billboards and cleaning ovens and playing a game I, ha- I don't understand called Taco Cat Goat Cheese Pizza. They talked about how the Lenten sermon series and how our book study on forgiveness cut a lot of us to the heart and helped us wrestle with relationships that matter. They named how many of us are here because of a handful of greeters that help people feel seen and loved and cared for. And so in a short amount of time, it turns out that we had stories of how God shows up in this place in abundance. But then there's this really important thing that happened at the session meeting on Monday because one of your elders asked the question, I think we need to consider who's missing. Why is it that some people aren't here? And another of you astutely observed and pondered, I think it's because the culture gives us two choices, evangelical fundamentalist Christianity or nothing. Accept a certain kind of doctrine or reject the whole project. Fear-based faith or nihilism. And I got to tell you, if those are the choices, I wouldn't come to church either. But the conversation led to a recognition that we're here because of those God sightings, and those God sightings prove that there is, in fact, a third way. We're not here because we've been scared into belief any more than those who were um, the first believers at Pentecost. We're here because God's Word keeps giving us hope, not just in the words we hear in worship, but because we experience it in our life together in this community. And so the invitation 
from Acts this morning is to tell those stories, the God sightings where you have felt the presence of the holy, the ones you've heard others tell on This I Believe Sunday. Tell them because just as God's word has been written on your heart, it has been written on all of those other hearts out there that are hungry for hope and thirsty for grace that's genuine and real. And the word doesn't, world does not need a billboard that says repent. The world needs a friend or a neighbor to show them that there's a place and a people for whom your heart can break open and God's word can fall in. It's evangelism. But it's a third way. It's the testimony of one hungry person showing another hungry person where to find bread and then breaking that bread together and realizing that the risen Christ is among us. Last fall, when the church set up a, a booth at Pride, we really didn't know what to expect. But we came armed with bead art and glitter blessings and a claw machine where you could play this game and win church swag. And lots of folks stopped by the booth, ones who are Christian and ones who are atheist, ones who love a good art project, and ones who are trying to pick up swag from every booth at Pride. And we had the chance to share some stories, and there were times that we invited someone to come on Sunday and see what it was all about. And some took flyers, and others just took note of the fact that we seemed to actually really like each other. And we don't really always know what the impact of those kinds of experiences are, but the next day, there was someone who had stopped by our booth who tagged the church on Instagram, and her post said, I didn't know this is what church could be like, but if it is, I have hope. And her heart broke open, and the word fell in. May it be so for all who need to hear it. Amen.